Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When I was a boy, I remember worshiping in the Episcopal Church for the first time with my grandmother. There are many things that seemed far, far into my little Baptist self. Kneeling, chanting, written prayers. But for some reason, and I'm not really sure why, the most unfamiliar thing to me was the passing of the peace. In the Baptist church, we had a fellowship time during the service when congregants greeted each other and shook hands, uh, but it was way more chit-chatty and would go on for several minutes. Saying peace to each other, on the other hand, felt to me like a strange ceremony. And I noticed that you have a couple different characters in the passing of the peace. You ever notice this? There's the introvert who barely makes eye contact. Then there's the extrovert that goes in for the hug. There's the really caring person that shakes with both hands like a hand sandwich. Or how about this guy, just holding up the peace sign? In the church, we often talk about peace, but seldom experience it. Christians can be just as anxious as anybody else. Like, how often do you feel yourself to actually be at peace? At Mass, we shake hands and say peace, but often we're like those who Jeremiah described as saying peace, peace, but there is no peace. Our Lord rebuked the wind and the waves, saying to them, peace, be still, and the forces of nature obeyed him. And here we are, often feeling as though a storm were raging in our own minds. Sometimes it seems as though the stilling of our thoughts would be the greater miracle than the calming of Gennesaret. And yet, to us this morning, our Lord gives the command, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We say, oh, I have no peace, I feel so anxious, I feel so scattered. And yet, our Lord on this day declares to us that the peace of God is already ours by virtue of the Holy Spirit. My peace I give to you, our Master assures us. What I want to explore with you this morning is how we can get in touch with it. First, let me, take, uh, let me point out the backdrop that our Lord sets for this peace. The foundation which he lays is divine union. This is where our passage begins. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. What an awe-inspiring preface here to our Lord's teaching on peace, that really our peace is made possible by the fact that God has made his home with us. And he tells us that love is the means by which we experience that. If you love me, then you will keep my word, and my Father will love you, and we will make our home with you. By presenting this as an if-then statement, our Lord shows us that if we love God, then we will be more able in our everyday life to experience and recognize God's love for us. If you want to recognize God's loving presence in your life, then you need only love him back. And as I was trying to think of an example to illustrate this, I realized that it's kind of like how when we grow up and we start to love our parents for who they are as individuals, that we look back and realize how much they loved us when we were growing up. It's the same way with God. As we increase in our love for Him, we increase in our ability to recognize and experience His love for us. To all the baptized, God has granted the Holy Spirit, but it is those who love Him back who are able to relish in that fact. Jesus tells us at the end of this text that he is going away, 
and yet his departure should be to us a cause of rejoicing. Why would he say that, that we should be glad he is going away? The Father is greater, he tells us. In his ascension, he takes our humanity up into heaven, into the bosom of the Father. In his ascension, he unites man with God. And what's more, by departing in the flesh, he's able to come to us in the Spirit. He departs physically in order to come again spiritually. He wants a union with us that goes beyond what could be had in the body. And for this reason, he tells Magdalene on the day of his resurrection, do not cling to me. He in love desires to unite himself even to your soul. And so in his name is sent the Holy Spirit. God makes his home within us in the Holy Ghost so that our God may no longer just be out there, but also in here, united with us at our core. This mystery of divine union, this presence of the Holy Spirit, is what makes the peace of the Christian possible, a peace which is the result of God's presence. Now, before we consider what that peace is like, let's first consider what the Christian's peace is not. Jesus says, not as the world gives do I give to you. Christ's gift of peace differs from the world's so-called peace in several ways. The world tells us that we'll experience peace on the other side of the difficulty we're having. Oh, I'll experience peace once I recover from this illness. Or I'll finally feel at ease when the war has ceased in Ukraine. Or it's my family that keeps me from peace. If they were to change, then I'd finally be able to relax. But no sooner do we overcome one difficulty than we find another one lying in our path. For as long as we live in the world, we'll be given crosses to bear. This is no accident. This is the very means by which God is determined to bring us to heaven. In the world, we will have trouble. And so Christ's peace must be that which overcomes the world. Sometimes the world tells us that we will experience peace when we finally get what we want. Once I retire, then I'll finally be able to relax. Or I'll feel at ease once I've finished this or that project. But the thing is, we human beings are always seeking out the next mountaintop because our desires are boundless. It reminds me of Alexander, who upon conquering the entire world, wept when he realized that there was no more world left to conquer. So this approach to peace also feels fleeting. And sometimes the world may promise us peace through self-help techniques. Uh, you ever watch Seinfeld? This is my favorite TV show. And there's an episode in which uh, Kramer and Frank Costanza uh, use self-help tapes to calm themselves down. And so whenever Frank's wife would nag him, he'd go, serenity now, uh, in order to calm himself down. But bottling up our emotions and pretending like we don't feel them is no long-term solution. And the episode bears this out. Their anger and anxiety just end up coming out comically sideways by the end of the episode. So self-help tapes and ignoring our feelings uh, don't seem to be the answer either. The peace which the world offers is an empty promise, a peace that does not last. Christ gives differently because he offers a peace that is lasting. We would call it eternal. The reason is because it's accessed through the Holy Spirit who will never be taken away from us. So how are we to tap into this inner peace? Well, the good news is that you don't have to climb some mountaintop or go on some kind of spirit quest in order to find it. The kingdom of heaven is within you, Jesus says. Notice how in our text today, our Lord speaks not in the future tense, but in the present. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Like I complain, oh, I have no peace, 
But according to Christ, I do have peace. I just haven't found it yet. See, when we're anxious, we're living up here. Uh, We're thinking about how things are going to work out, what this person thinks of me, how I'm going to manage. But the peace of God is down here, present at our center in the Holy Spirit. This is why the psalmist commands, commune with your own heart and in your chamber and be still. This is why Habakkuk wrote, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. You're that temple, and silence is the way that you experience God's indwelling presence. Therefore, the Scriptures say, be still and know that I am God. And Paul writes, do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? So, the presence of God gives us access to the peace of God. All we need to do in order to tap into that peace is to be present to Him who is present to us. And honestly, you who are married have probably already learned how to do this because you've learned how to be present to your spouse. Like when you're distracted and scattered, you probably receive feedback when your spouse says, you're not paying attention to me. Being present to God isn't much more difficult than that. It really just means loving attentiveness. And we've all learned at different times how to do this. When we practice loving attentiveness to God, we call it contemplative prayer. So when you pray the rosary, or meditate on God's Word, or invoke the name of Jesus, or choose to just sit with Him without words, what you're doing is developing the habit of lovingly attending to the Prince of Peace. The more you have interiorized that prayer, the more His peace will be made manifest in your life. And speaking of manifestation, this is the topic which prompted our passage. Uh, If you look in your your bulletin, you'll notice that our text begins with the words, Jesus answered him. Here's the hymn. Uh, That hymn is St. Jude, the patron of lost and desperate causes. In the verse immediately prior, this apostle asks his master, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? This teaching on peace is Christ's answer. God manifests himself to you and through you by granting you his peace in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This peace is how God is made manifest in your life. And honestly, in order to make God known to the world, the best thing you can do is to acquire the spirit of peace. So when you say in the Mass, grant us thy peace, really mean it, and watch your whole world change. We're always trying to change our circumstances, but when we finally come to make peace with them, uh, we end up doing more than we otherwise could. I once heard a Christian say, to make whole, be whole. The work of changing the world begins with our own selves, and I think we could do more for the sake of evangelism by uniting ourselves to God in prayer than we could by any kind of outreach. St. John the Baptist and St. Anthony of the Desert are the prime examples of this. For this reason, St. Seraphim of Serov said, acquire the spirit of peace and a thousand souls around you will be saved. What Christ asks of you and of me is that we guard the peace which he gives us. Let not your hearts be troubled, he says, neither let them be afraid. The way to safeguard our peace is to be careful about our thoughts, what we choose to entertain, and to not put our energy into the thoughts that pull us away from our center point in God. The saints referred to this mental discipline as watchfulness, watching one's thoughts to take every thought captive to Christ. Here's what one twentieth century saint said on this topic. This is St. Paisios the Athenite. 
He says, thoughts are like airplanes flying through the air. If you ignore them, there's no problem. If you pay attention to them, you create an airport inside your head and permit them to land. The key is to just let our thoughts just be thoughts. And easier said than done, I know. But through prayer, we develop the habit. Practicing loving attentiveness to God, we learn to keep our feet on the ground rather than getting caught up in our anxious ways of thinking. Now, I've been making the case that God's presence within us is what makes inner peace possible for you and for me, and that quietly and lovingly attending to God is how we get in touch with that peace. But I want to make this relationship between God's presence and God's peace more concrete uh, by sharing with you a story about my father. Uh, When I was nine, he was diagnosed with brain cancer, which he ended up dying from a year and a half later. When he was undergoing his treatments, he was facing a brain surgery for which, if you could believe it, he was going to remain awake. Understandably nervous, he was talking with our pastor before the surgery, and Pastor Danny gave him this advice. He said, repeat to yourself the word Emmanuel, which means God with us. My father took that word with him into the surgery and said that he felt an overwhelming sense of peace that lasted the entire course of the operation. That word anchored him in the presence of Christ, grounding him in the reality that as he went into that surgery, the Lord went with him also. So if you need something easy to hang on to, I would commend this word to you, Emmanuel, God with us. So when we pass the peace in church, it's not only a gesture of making peace with each other, but also a reminder to each other that we have within each one of us the peace of God which passeth all understanding. So that before offering our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, we might remember that the Lord himself is with us. This passing of the peace can be a reminder to us to get in touch with that peace, which is his presence. Now, because we're human, it's inevitable that sometimes we will be in touch with it, and sometimes we will lose touch with it. But when we do, when we find that we're carried away from the peace which he grants us in his spirit, all we need is to simply remember how gracious he is with us of little faith, and to return to that place of communion, that place of resting in his presence. It's no surprise to him that we get caught up in anxiety. The psalmist says, He knoweth whereof we are made. He remembereth that we are but dust. God is gracious, and though our mind goes this way and that, uh, he will always be right there at the center, waiting for us to return, for there he has made his home. To him be the honor and glory, both now and forever. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.